Welcome everyone to episode 120 of the Red Diamond Courier. I am here with you as always, Bob Chichinsky, with my good, good friend, Dog Bark 24 My dude, welcome. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Doing good, man. Doing good. Um, able to pry myself away from Starfield, and Dogged and I were able to stay up uh, at the same night for once this uh, last few days. I know, easy as that sounds, sometimes a hard thing for us. So, a little bit later than we wanted to do this episode, but we're we're here for you guys. Update 39 is live everywhere um, as of today. Uh, very exciting stuff, and we also, they've just been pumping news out lately, so we got uh, a lot of the patch notes out of the way in the last episode. In this episode, we'll be covering the combat-oriented patch notes for Update 39, and we're going to hop right into it. But as I said, we do have some news for you guys since our last episode came out. So, Dogged, why don't you get started with that, my dude? All right, well, the first bit of news is that uh, September 14th at 3 p.m. Eastern is an ESO Live covering the new things coming with Update 40, one of those being the Endless Archive, which is the Endless Dungeon. Yeah, exciting stuff there. Yeah, They've been, they've been teasing that all year, so... Yeah. They've been teasing that date for, I think, the last 10 days or so. I was like, man... Update 39's not even on a console yet. Like, slow your roll. But <laughs> the next bit of news is uh they recently identified an issue with the new feature that was introduced in update 39 that allows players to automatically resummon companions when they are dismissed by summoning an assistant, and they are temporarily disabling this functionality while they investigate the issue. They will re-enable the feature in an upcoming incremental patch. So for us console players, I don't think that's actually ever been implemented. So that kind of sucks. But yeah. Hopefully they get it fixed soon. Yeah, I was excited for that one. So I'm sure they'll figure it out. But like I said, I was excited for that one. Yeah. And then uh, one other thing, too, that happened uh, in this last week, they announced due to... Uh, you know, unfortunate ongoing and increasing fraudulent activity involving uh, gifting from the crown store to players, they have shut it off entirely. You can no longer go in the crown store and gift anything to anyone. Um, if you had gifts pending, you could still go redeem them uh there was an issue with that so if you had any issues redeeming your gifts that were in your inventory uh their um solution was to submit a ticket so i know that's not always uh inspiring news but at least it's better than nothing um so you got that it's and uh, a lot of people were really Really not happy about this one on the Twitter sphere, at least, or the X sphere, whatever the hell that app is called now. Um, so yeah, this was like a big thing. I mean, think how much, how often, even if you don't partake in the 
you know, buying of crown items with gold, like it's all you see in chat when you're in a major city. People are buying and selling crowns constantly. So um, I've seen, I saw a lot of different arguments, you know, some people are like, in the long run, you know, it's probably good because people can't just buy, like essentially buy gold, you know, because they could just buy crowns and sell them for gold. So, I mean, essentially they're buying gold. But, I mean, it ESO, like, gold is already so, like, gold basically means nothing. Like, in PC, the economy is so, like, uh, inflated. Like, you know, one million gold really means nothing over there. And I don't know, maybe that's part of the problem. So, anyways... That was a big thing that happened. They're looking into how to, you know, possibly re-implement it in a better way or something. But for now, it's gone. Yeah, that uh, definitely sucks. Yeah, so no more giveaways or anything, unfortunately, from anyone involved in the Crown Store. But let's get on to happier news, dog. Yeah, so uh, the Indon event, we just got news uh, dropped today, you know, the 5th. And the Indon event starts on the 7th. So, you know, when they said that they're going to, you know, not wait until last minute, well, they they forgot about the Indon event or something. But Let's be honest, they were clearly too busy playing Starfield all weekend when they were probably going to announce it. And, you know, I get that, so... I'll give him a pass. This time only. This time only? Well, how generous, I guess. But it starts on the 7th and ends on the 19th. Yeah. Interesting timing, unfortunately. Like I said, Starfield just came out, so... Uh, I want to play the Undaunted events, like one of my favorite ones, so they dropped it right... (laughs) I'm already so addicted to Starfield, so that's fun. My my social life is definitely screwed for until the 19th, at the minimum. Yeah, that that definitely makes sense. Um, but yeah, it's a pretty crowded, or the Adonid event might not be as crowded this year with, you know, Starfield on PC and Xbox, Bowder's Gate 3 is coming to uh, PlayStation. That's right. Yeah, lots of stuff going on right now, man. So uh, hopefully the activity finder, you know, doesn't break this year, right? Because that that would be pretty amazing, right? Maybe some knock on wood, you know, just be safe. Uh, I mean, it was all right last year, right? I, I mean, I didn't break last year that I know of or that I remember. But, you know, at the end of it, it comes up, the activity finder breaks or... You know, throws itself yeah. off a cliff twice, <laughs> lights itself on fire. This is fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like usually if it's a bad one when the activity finder is breaking, like I really remember it the next year. But I don't remember that from last year. I think I remember last year going kind of smooth. I think I also remember not playing that much last year. I don't know. Well, anyways, uh. Before we ramble on more about it, it is coming. It'll be here probably by the time you're hearing this episode, in all honesty. So uh, 
get out there and do your dungeons. Dogged, what are they going to be earning uh, while doing these dungeons? What are we all going to be earning? Right, oh, you can get Undaunted Reward Boxes. We have a guaranteed uh, drop of an item set piece from the dungeon in which the box was acquired. And I'm pretty sure those are curated too, I believe. I'm pretty sure that was a thing last year. That's why people were doing them. Oh, that's right. That's right. That was awesome. Yeah. Uh, You also get a guaranteed drop of one of the following items. A random dungeon DLC motif style page. 1,000 gold, a dawning key, crown repair kit, or a writing lesson. I like so, all those things. I don't like the 1,000 gold. That's like garbage. But everything else is good. Yeah, well, crown repair kit? What's wrong with that? You don't need crown repair kits. No one needs crown repair kits. Why? But, what are you uh, talking about? What, what am I talking about? 500 of the... Uh, Grand repair kits that I never use. Yeah, but you have to go press them one at a time. A crown repair kit. You just... I have like fifty of the crown repair kits that I never use too. Well, what are you doing to repair your armor? I'm uh, paying gold for it, actually. Oh my god, no one has time to go to a merchant. What do you mean? How do you well, sell your in the middle of a dungeon or something? Well, who breaks their gear in the middle of a dungeon? Well, people who are dying in a dungeon. All right. Well, then you, you eat your repair kits that you have already already on you. Yes, my Anyways, crown but repair kits. But that's not what we're talking about, right? That's over, okay? But would you rather get a DLC motif style page or one thousand gold? Uh, you get the motif style page because then you can sell that for at least five times as much. And if you see that, that's probably worth like fifty k gold for like garbage for you know like fanglair shoulders or fanglair boots something you ridiculous that's been out forever you probably still get 50k gold for on pc because you know pc is insane okay fair enough yeah yeah you've made your point thank you yeah (laughs) i'm right as as you know as always yeah uh, you can also get the uh, glorious Undaunted reward box, you know, once a day, and you can get one opal monster weapon page for either uh, the Sentinel of Rugging Mist from Darkshade One, and that's actually the new one this year. Uh, Velajeth from Cradle of Shadows, Iceheart from Dire Frost, Lord Warden from Imperial City Prison, Night Flame from Elden Hollow Two, or Swarm Mother from Spindle Clutch One. And then the Opal style page masks has a drop, has a chance to drop from vet dungeons from the ones that I just said above. And the shoulders you can get uh, from specific style pages for 50 keys, e- 50 keys each, or from a random Opal style page like box for 25 each. So I usually do, do the 25 route, but and trade yeah, with, you know, pretty, Bob or a good one, 25. Even though, yeah, you could get ones you already have, but I mean, you could buy 10 of them for 250 Not that, I mean, I don't know who would need that many, but... Yeah. Oh, and then you may or may not be able to get the Swarm Mother Opal Head or Shoulders. 
because uh, that wasn't in like that list of stuff you can get on their Undaunted page. So it would be weird if you can't get them, but you might not be able to get them. So mm. just putting that out there. Undaunted, undaunted. We are undaunted. We will be undaunted. The Impresario is also part of the Undaunted. And she has all of her normal stuff, but I guess the new piece is the second piece for the uh, Passion Dancer's garment. So that's the costume, second piece of three. So, yep, that's definitely going to get me logging in right there for sure. Make sure I get that. Very excited about that one. I like that costume. Yeah, it's a pretty nice costume. I think. Yeah, I think I liked it. Yeah. We'll go with yeah. And then the last bit of news isn't really news, but it's just uh, one thing from the past notes last week that we forgot to mention or didn't really fully process when we were you know, reading it off uh, was that they reworked the ownership of objects near all the crafting rate turn in boxes to prevent any accidental stealing while attempting to turn in your completed writs. The guards racketeering comes to an end. So I noticed that today, you know, when console had their update today. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Why was that not in the patch notes? And I look up on the Xbox patch notes, and boom, it's in the patch notes. I just didn't, you know, notice it or something. Or maybe it was just on the Xbox patch notes. I don't know. I mean, it is worded kind of weird. Like, reworked the ownership of objects. Like, if you were just, like, going through them and you saw that, you might be like, whatever the hell that means. But yeah. then when you actually put it into practice and couldn't steal something, you know, today, you're like, ah. Yeah, just like I looted a backpack. I was like, I don't know. I have auto loot stealing items on. That's weird. But nope. All right. So that's going to get us through the news, which, as we told you, there there was plenty. There's a lot that happened in these, uh, not even a week since we uh, recorded put out the last episode so it really has been like a week but anyways uh definitely definitely a lot of news a lot of stuff coming and going on make sure you are uh watching that update 40 uh on you know live stream september 14th on the bethesda twitch channel there will probably be drops so you can get those and undaunted event make sure you're ready for that Make sure you uh, book some time in your weekend away from real life and Starfield for the Endon event. So, dog, let's hop right into the current state of Cyrodiil. Now, uh, we don't just have scores for you this week. We actually have some uh, patch notes Cyrodiil stuff, it would seem. Dog, does, am, am I seeing this correct? You are. Wow. Yeah, for real. Normally you get stuff wrong, you know. Well, yes, and normally the PvP patch notes are like a paragraph. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, that too. (laughs) That too. Yeah. So, uh, you want to go? Yeah, I'll start us off. Uh, There are some new Cyrodiil monster masks. Uh, there are three new Cyrodiil monster masks that are being released with the update. The masks and shoulders can be purchased from the Elite Gear vendor in three new containers for 50k AP each. 
and style pages can be purchased from the War Researcher vendor as individual pages for 150k AP each. And that's not too bad, honestly. Like, that's fairly, you know, easy to get, which is pretty nice. Yeah, I was worried they're going to be like 500k AP each, so, which still wouldn't have been horrible, but. Yeah, but now you can like try them out and be like, man, this is garbage. I don't care about this. Or like, oh, this is actually good, you know. Mm-hmm. And I like that, how they put the style pages immediately, too. Yeah, immediately. 150k each. That's also pretty good. Yeah. Uh, the first one that we're going to cover, though, is the Gerald Mountains War Chief. Its first one is going to give you weapon and spell damage. And its second reads, Dealing damage applies a stack of Milady to your enemy, reducing healing taken by 1% for 5 seconds, up to 35 stacks. You can apply a stack every once half a second. Applying Milady gives you a stack of Contagion, reducing healing taken by 1% for 5 seconds, up to 15 stacks. And you can only gain a stack once every five, uh, once every second. I didn't even pay attention to what you're saying in this set because you, you're saying my lady. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I know it's Malady. Yeah, I, I, I noticed that the first time. I was like, you know what? I just gotta go with it, right? Yeah, yeah well, you did. You, you. Went yeah, with I it. did, and it was ridiculous. Yeah. But that's okay. I, I was, I was really hoping that it was just like you know the one time, but there was a second time. I was like, yeah. <sighs> well, what is Malady doing to this these people that it's stacking on? Um, it reduces their healing taken and it reduces your healing taken. But you can reduce their healing taken by 35% and you reduce your own healing taken by 50% at max. I That's like very weird trade-off. Yeah. So if you don't have any healing, well, I guess you probably have some healing. Yeah, I don't, I don't really know what that's, that's doing it. I guess if you're dueling like a healer or something, you can really, you know, mess them up because they'll only be able to heal themselves, you know, 35% less effectively. If you but, get all the stacks up. Yeah. I mean, if you're dueling them, you know, you'll be dueling them for at least like 15 seconds because they're a healer. At least if they're a good healer, you know. Yeah. I mean, you would have to do damage for 17 seconds, 17 and a half seconds to get that total full stack, and then it only lasts five seconds. Yeah. And you'll have that full 15%, like, the whole time. Yeah. Which, which actually, this might, actually, I hope more people run this so that I can, you know, be like, haha, you still can't kill me, but now I can kill you easier. <laughs> so. Classic. All right, so the second one, we have the Nimine Bay Battle Reeve. This one adds crit resistance with the first uh, piece. And with the second piece, it reads, When you are forcefully moved via a pull, knockback, or teleport ability, gain a damage shield that absorbs up to 15,000 damage for 6 seconds. This damage shield is not affected by Battle Spirit. This effect can occur once every 14 seconds. While you do not have the damage shield from this set, 
Reduce your damage taken from players by 5%. So basically, at all times, you're reducing your incoming damage from players by 5%. And then when you get pulled or knocked back um, or teleported, you get a big fat damage shield for 6 seconds. And uh, if it lasts the entire 6 seconds, you could pop it again in 8 more seconds. Because it can occur once every 14 seconds. So, yeah, I'm liking that, honestly. That's uh, kind of piquing my interest. Plus the one piece is a crit resistance. It's kind of nice. Yeah, it's definitely a solid defensive monster set. Especially when you know everyone's running around with Dark Convergence. Ooh, yeah, I didn't even think of that. You get pulled in there and it just pops a huge damage shield on you. That's pretty cool. That would... Yeah. I mean, I'm always so close to getting away, so that might, you know, make or break it for a lot of people. Maybe. I mean, 15k, like, it, like it's good, but if you get hit by, like, three different vicious deaths, you're still gonna die. Like, Yeah. But, yeah. Alright, the uh, last monster set is the Colobian Highlands General. This one's going to add some offensive penetration, and its second one reads, when you kill a player, you gain a sack of blood, de- blood debt for half a second. When blood debt expires, you and up to five group members within 28 meters gain 15 ultimate per sack of, re- of blood debt. So, theoretically, it should be stackable, but I felt like I remember hearing that this was not stackable. So... I don't remember why. Maybe they changed it, but yeah, just something that, you know, keep note of. Maybe it may or may not be sackable. Hopefully it is, because that would be pretty good for, you know, ball groups, I guess, which would not be good for me, but. Well, I mean, no, because theoretically it it can't stack because it's if it was stacking, then um it would like eternally be resetting the timer. So, and this I, only procs when the timer expires. Yeah, but I was thinking like you can get like multiple stacks of blood debt. So, nah, like, it, so I mean, like if you ha- kill like five people, you get five stacks. And then, but yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, so it's like when you kill a player. So, yeah, it's like how often can you really kill? Um, you know, a player, I guess if you're like a a bomber or something, you know, but a half second does go by so fast, uh, like boom, you get a kill, like it expires like that, you know, and then you get another kill, expires, another kill expires. So Yeah, I just meant like, you know, like if you kill five people with a bomb, then you should be able to get five stacks. Five stacks, yeah. Okay, that's fair, that's fair. All right, so next we have some fallen drung things going on here what what the hell is prize resolved dog i don't know i've only held fallen drug once i think it's a passive for it like if you have it you have like you know the skills and i think that might be a passive okay or or maybe it's an ability i think it's an ability actually yeah okay yeah it does read like that okay they do have one thing going on here for fallen drug next uh, for Pariah's Resolve, they fixed an issue where this ability's visual effects could stack. They also fixed an issue where the major buffs granted from this ability could fail to apply in some cases. 
They also fixed another issue where the major endurance from this ability could affect targets outside of its range. And they also made it where the ability now also grants major sorcery in addition to brutality for consistency throughout a lot of the other changes they made throughout this year. So yeah, Volandrun got some changes. Uh, I wish the change was that it was gone now and there was a new Daedric artifact like um, they said they were going to do. But yeah, still there. At least it's uh, skill... Prize Resolve apparently works better now. I wouldn't know because I never get to hold the hammer. Literally ever. I don't think I've held it uh, maybe one time. Maybe one. I don't think I've ever held it maybe one time. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, pretty good right there. You know, you know, maybe once, maybe not. That's how I'm I, sure I, I know. Am. I've definitely had it held it once and I killed a bunch of people with it. And then went to another group of people, and I died with it. So, I think I remember that. Yeah, I was like, "Oh, all right. Well, maybe having the healer grab it was not the best idea." <laughs> but yeah, you did what needed to be done. Though. I did. Yeah, I, I do remember grabbing it like in the middle of like the fight. So it was pretty important that it, that somebody on our t- or on our faction grabbed it, and I was just the one that did do it. So. Exactly. So, Dog, what do we got now for some uh, quest changes here in Cyrodiil? All right. Uh, you will now only see your kill enemy player quest counter increment when you have contributed to a kill or dealt the killing blow. So you can no longer, like, heal the people that killed the person. Which kind of sucks, because I'm a healer, and I like to heal people. But, uh, yeah, dang, that's crazy. Yeah. There's also the Conquest Board Kill Players quest is now group shared. Uh, to counterbalance the rapid progress of this quest during certain PvP engagements, the number of kills required has been increased from 40 to 150. So oh that's a lot. God. That is so yeah. much more. Yeah, and this quest was already nearly impossible to complete in like Ravenwatch or under vets if you play in there consistently. So now that's even more impossible, and that's not really ideal for those campaigns. But well, yeah, because I mean, they just said the kill an enemy player's one. All you, you as long as you contribute to the kill, but the kill player's one, you have to get the killing blow, and that's like. It just doesn't happen. It's not a killing blow. It it's the same oh, way. Really? It's just, yeah. I I don't know. It feels like I, that. I never get that one to go up. Like while I'm playing. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, that's that's a lot. That's a big change. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have the Shadowed Path, the Black Daggers, and Goblin Bounty quests now. Point to a few likely locations you are able to find them and apply justice directly to the chin. And that's definitely a lot easier than looking it up on UESP when you're trying to do those fighters guild quests for Cyrodiil for like 750 AP. So. So also the Grey Viper bounty quest now properly tracks all kinds of Grey Viper cryomancers for progressing the goal, which is always nice. 
Boston alone. They slightly increased the area pin radius on the condition to rescue villagers to encompass all the places that they can spawn. And they adjusted postures of some of the villagers you can rescue so they stand before the interaction camera opens. Uh, we have the Unseen. This quest can now probably share credits for closing the portal. That's always nice for, you know, groups. Uh, overdue supplies. They relocated the overdue supplies in question so you don't have to try to wall hop to get it. Uh, the Burned Estate. The pro uh, progress for this quest is now probably shared with group mates. And offerings to Xanathar. Components of this quest's optional activities are now group shared. And group sharing components where these last two are always nice. So, it's a pretty nice uh, quest fixes there. All right, so uh, that's going to wrap it up for our uh, quest changes here for the PvP stuff. A lot of stuff that they, you know, haven't really touched in a long time or even probably thought about, so... It's really cool to see it getting uh, fixed up a little bit. They also did um, some changes with Siege. And yeah, well, of course we're going to go through that. So first off, the Ballista. This Siege type no longer has varying hit sizes between hitting Siege and player characters. It now shares the same 8 meter radius between all target types. As far as the Fire Ballista, they fixed an issue where the visuals from the Siege damage could last longer than intended. And the Lightning Ballista, they fixed an issue where the damage over time from the Siege could stack indefinitely. Uh, yeah. That's not good. Yeah, definitely not good. So, next we have the Trebuchet. Ice Pot Trebuchets, now more correctly called the Ice Ball Trebuchet. Yes, dog. Your Snowball Trebuchet, pretty much. Uh, they fixed an issue where the snare visuals from the Siege failed to appear. They also fixed an issue where the snare could stack in some cases. For the Fire Pot Trebuchet... The damage to siege from this siege is now instantaneous rather than over a duration. Oh, that's cool. I like that. And the cold herbert trebuchet, the damage to siege from this siege is now instantaneous. So same thing. That's cool. Yeah, it was kind of weird that they it was damage over time. But all right. Lastly, we have some catapults. The first one, the oil catapult. They fixed an issue where the snare from this siege could stack in some cases. Uh, the la uh, next up we have uh, you know the meatbag trebuchet, which you know this is just in the notes, and you know by the way Zoss, this is a catapult, <laughs> you know, uh, but really if you can't you know take the extra thirty seconds to get the name of siege weapons correctly, like that doesn't really look good, you know, when you're trying to mend your relationship for the PvP community, like people were very angry about that on the uh, you know. Uh, in the ESO PvP chat, so serial chat, so yeah. Anyway, moving on, the Meatball Catapult. Uh, they increase the damage over time to player characters by approximately seventeen percent. Uh, the debuff from the siege no longer affects health recovery. The damage to siege from the siege is now instantaneous rather than over time. And they fixed an issue where the healing received debuff could affect targets outside of the area of impact. 
And next we got the flaming oil pot where they fixed an issue where this siege could interact oddly with proc conditions, unlike other siege. And they also fixed a issue where Lancer siege engines did not deal their respective damage types to keeps and siege engines. And then one more here, they also fixed an issue where siege damage over time could miss invisible targets in some cases. All siege damage, regardless of this type, will now actively remove invisibility as a rule breaker. There is no escape from siege. Yeah. So those are well, it's pretty good uh, siege fixes. Um, too bad, you know, they didn't fix the bug where block people can still get on your siege. I have it on good authority from the support team that they shouldn't be able to. And if you think that's crazy, it's because it is crazy and that's not actually how it works. But, you know, the support team, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think that... They'll ever adhere to your blocked people getting on your siege dog. Uh, just keep hoping for a stable master merchant. All right, let's hope for real things. I mean, but that's what they said. So, or that's what they implied, I should say. They implied that's how it should work. You know, that's uh, that's not how it works, though. So. Okay, then maybe one day. Maybe one day, but not today or tomorrow. Or this month. <laughs> Alright, but for right now, we do have some scores for y'all, of course. So, for PC and A, Greyhost, we've got seven days left. Or we had seven days left, I'm assuming, when we got these scores, dog. Yep. Okay, perfect. So, DC in the lead. 74.6. EP 73.4 and AD at 73.2. That's a hot contested battle right there. Good to see DC up on top for sure. Then for the EU side of things, we had AD at 83k, EP at 64k, and DC at 58k. Alright, and then for uh, Xbox NA, there's six days left in these campaigns. And there we have EP in first with 76.8k, DC in second with 72.6k, and AD in last with 72.3k. And on the EU side of things, we have EP in first with 78.2k, AD in second with 68.3k, and DC in last with 62.4k. So EP is leading both of those servers by a pretty good amount. Dang, that's crazy. EP leaving both on Xbox. I feel like that doesn't happen very often. Yeah, not really. All right, and we do have PlayStation for you this week, guys. Apparently, though, Lotus doesn't have an EU character, and I still don't have PlayStation Network access right now. So we have NA scores for you, though. We did come through there. These scores were only one day before the campaign ended, so you can feel confident in the fact that DC won because we were in the lead with 98.8k almost breaking that 100k barrier probably did I would assume the way to go for them EP in second 85.6k and all married dominion in third with uh 
85k. So it was a close battle for second and third, but man, DC really pulled away over there. So that's good to see. And yeah, uh, as long as you know two DC leaders, two EP leaders, and who knows with AD. All right, so now that we've got all these PvP scores and notes and fun out of the way, we're going to get right into the combat uh, stuff here of Update 39. So they do have a combat message right off the rip. Me and Dog, they're going to break it up for you. So uh, it reads... As mentioned earlier this year, we've taken a change in approach with this update where we're taking more time for polish and quality of life improvements during this time of year. This means that the focus of changes this time around are aimed at polishing experiences within combat systems and fixing bugs with existing things, as well as beginning to integrate some new fancy technology we obtained from creating the Arcanist class. We have some targeted balance adjustments too, of course, but the list is quite short compared to other updates and is not indicative of everything we'd like to tune and tweak. With that being said, let's talk about what the major changes are focused on. In this update, the major, fo the major focus outside of the stated bug fixing is polishing weapon passives to help better define and diversify those choices when making your build. Weapons are traditionally seen as tools that push your class adv advantages or make up some of their disadvantages. And we've noticed based on feedback and metrics on their engagement that they've been failing short of that. In aims to improve this experience, we've taken some specific passives and adjusted them to target some pain points on how you can build or play around them. These changes are focused on our more offensive weapons, since Restoration's staff at one hand and shield are in a relatively solid place. Aside from this pass on weapon passives, we've also started to roll in some back-end reworks that utilize the fancy new while this ability is slotted on either bar functionality that the Arcanist added with the Tome Bearer's Inspiration ability. We're not planning to use this everywhere we have passive bonuses for ability slotting, but we did immediately see an opportunity to drastically improve the flow and user experience on Grim Focus and Bound Armaments. These abilities will now no longer require you to activate them to be eligible to begin generating stacks with light or heavy attacks, as they'll now build stacks anytime the ability is slotted on either bar. This removes the need for the dead cast to activate them, removing the buff management portion of the ability, while also removing those frustrating moments when you activated them too early, wasting a global cooldown. We're very excited for Nightblades and Sorcerers to get their hands on these changes. Of course, as mentioned earlier, you can still expect some minor tweaks and changes of abilities and item sense for balance or bug fixing, but this covers most of the work in this update. We've done a lot of backend improvements uh, to many area of effect generating item sets and swapping them over to the area of effect improvements we, start, we started working on almost two years ago. But we won't bore you with those details since they shouldn't impact how you use them. 
safe journeys, and we look forward to seeing you in Tamrio. All right, so that was uh, a lot. That's, you know, their kind of spiel of the combat portion of the update. Um, you know, the small takeaways are that they uh, implemented new things with the Arcanist that they, you know, like and are going to put into other parts of the classes, which is really cool, honestly. And that's a great change for uh, Grim Focus and, I'm assuming, Bound Armaments. Yeah. Um, pretty good changes, yeah. And I'm sure we'll get into more of that kind of stuff as uh, we go here. But of course, we want to remind you all in this little middle portion that we are part of the oh-so-wildly-popular Robots Radio Podcast Network, where if you go check out robotsradio.net, you'll find all kinds of awesome shows, including ours. And uh, yeah, you'll probably fall in love with like at least five. So go check them out robotsradio.net Hey, I'm Tom. And I'm Stuart. And we're from the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. We talk about all things connected to D&D lore. And we're on the Robots Radio Network, so if you're into Dungeons & Dragons or you're into lore, then come check us out. You can find us on any podcatcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get podcasts. Roll more dice. That's the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. All right, dogs. So let's get right back into this. We've got class changes for update 39 here. And uh, yeah, so first of all, we've got the Arcanist. Just a couple little changes. The passage between worlds morph. They fixed an issue where the synergy for this morph failed to act as casting a synergy for many item sets and other proc based events. So that's awesome good thing to get that fixed and the remedy cascade fixed an issue where this ability and its morphs did not properly interact with interrupts lockout behavior and immunities so just tiny little bug fixes there and uh i'll let dog take it away for the dragonite all right so for the dragonite we have combustion they reduce the damage bonus this passive provides to burning and poison status effects to 12 and 33% down from 25 to 50. And there's a dev comment on here and it reads Dragonites are currently a bit ahead of many other classes in damage production. To address this, we're erasing some of their passive power to reel them slightly back to the other classes without stirring the pot too drastically. So a bit yeah. of a nerf there. Yeah, definitely a bit of a nerf. I mean, 17% seems like a lot, but I guess, I mean, if they said it's not too drastic, then hopefully it won't be, you know, too much. And then they, there's also a Green Dragon Blood Morph. Uh, this morph now also adds a small heal over time, lasting 5 seconds, and scaling off your max health of about 3% per tick. Uh, th this morph no longer increases in duration of effects by 1 second for every rank, but rather ranks up the healing done of the healing over time. And there's a dev comment on here, and it reads, We're seeing that many tanks opt to take coagulating dragon blood over green dragon blood in organized groups, where buffs bring up their offensive stats enough to eclipse the healing potential of green dragon blood. To help mitigate this, we're adding a small guaranteed heal that uses your max health to offer some diversion gameplay options rather than bloating out the missing health values of green dragon blood. 
and creating different problems out of that. Pretty interesting change right there. Yeah, honestly, I mean, I like the change itself. And uh, I like their, you know, you know, thought process for the change behind it, too. I hope it works. And I like green dragon blood on my tank. So extra health there. That'll be a well extra, you know, heal over time, especially for yeah. tanks because it's based on health, you know, so I think that could be an impact kind of change. Yeah, I would agree. All right, so next we got the best class, the Necromancer. And, uh, of course, I'm going to take that one. So we got the Frozen Colossus. They reduced the cost of this ultimate and its morphs to 175, down from 225. And they increased the damage per hit of all versions by approximately 11%. So, yeah, that's awesome. Frozen Colossus is even better now. And the Pestilent Colossus, this morph now also always guarantees the disease status effect on each hit. So that's even more awesome now. Totally. Super cool. Um, the Glacial Colossus uh, morph, this morph now also extends the duration of major vulnerability to 17 seconds per hit, up from 12. Which is you know why people run glacial colossus now there's a dev comment on this so this ultimate has been significantly reined in after major vulnerability became less outright potent and more accessible from other actions in the game causing the ultimate to no longer instill the same fear it once did in order to help rectify this and give some much needed love to necromancer's ability to bring death to their foes We've made it easier to cast with a significant cost reduction and added a small damage bonus to boot. We've also tried to add some more distinction between these morphs. Pestilent now reinforces additional damage and makes it harder for your foes to bounce back with healing, while Glacial brings a slow and bitter end to those who try to weather the cold by extending the major vulnerability duration. So I'm really liking that. Um, it definitely saw a big drop, uh, you know, when it was not the only uh, viable source of major vulnerability. So that's a really good change. And uh, just having more damage to it, too, that will help in PvP. And the Necros really need some help in PvP right now. So they do have one more change, and this is the morph Dead in Pain. This morph now also increases the duration of the effects it grants to 4 seconds per corpse consumed, up from 2. So that's actually pretty cool too. And there's a dev comment for this as well. And it reads, Currently, this morph is a bit further behind necrotic potency in power and engagement. In efforts to try and help the tankier aspect of the ability shine, we're extending the duration to offer more healing and major protection uptime. So yeah, consume those corpses, guys, and you will get, um, you know, your major protection for four seconds now. Pretty cool. So uh, why don't you tell everyone about these uh, night blade changes, which it looks like they got the most. All right. Uh, first up, we have the incapitating strike morph. 
Uh, they fixed a very old and very annoying bug where the special version of this ultimate could fail to be activated in some cases where your ultimate cost was being affected by bonuses or penalties that changed the original 120 ultimate cost requirement for the sun. The tooltip animations of an ability cast when I'll always update their costs and activation activation phases when you meet their augmented cost values. So now there's like a visible I guess icon or something that uh happens when uh you when the ultimate's in its stunning form, I guess. So that's pretty nice. Yeah, that's definitely really nice. I feel like I've ran into that one a few times, honestly. Alright, next up we have a Grim Focus. With this ability and its morphs no longer need to be activated to generate sacks, as they will now generate sacks anytime you meet their original requirements, simply with the ability slotted on either bar. They increase the cost of the special activate to 1890, up from 1350, to make up for the fact you don't really need to activate the buff portion of these abilities. These abilities now all use consistent naming and icons, rather than having separate names for the active versus stacking portions. They updated the tooltips to mention that fully charged heavy attacks grant double stacks. And these abilities will now highlight on your ability bar when you are at full stacks rather than becoming a different icon. And then there's the uh, Relentless Focus Morph. And this morph now increases the amount of weapon and cell damage he stack grants at 8 to 80 at rank 4 rather than increasing the duration of the buff since the buff no longer has a duration. And this morph now costs 1377 rather than 1148. Yeah, all right. So a little extra damage there. You know, it's only 80, but hey, it's better than nothing. Yeah. I'm trying to think on what this ability does, but I don't think I really use it as a Nightblade. Uh, Grim Focus? Yeah, Relentless Focus. It's the one where you would put it on, and uh, it, when you get five, like, hits on people, I think, yeah, it turns into the, like, Night Bow or something. Oh, the Spectral Bow. Spectral bow, yeah. Okay, yeah, and, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. All right. So now it'll just be yeah. yeah, doing that slowly instead of you having to uh or it, it will just always be on instead of you having to go cast it. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I like it. Alright. Next up we have a Shadow Cloak. Uh this ability and it, the shadowy disguise morph now also grant major savagery and prophecy for sliding on either bar to help them offer more functionality outside of PvP and to ensure the ability still offers something while they are being countered. And Dark Cloak Morph, this morph now swaps the major savagery prophecy to minor protection for sliding on either bar rather than grinding it for 10 seconds after casting the ability. So that's those are some pretty good changes. Yeah, I mean... I don't know, it's like, oh, to help it offer more functionality outside PvP, but I'm like, well, you also just gave every Nightblade Major Savagery and Prophecy at all times in PvP. I mean, they're probably getting that, you know, from a different source, but now they don't need that source, so they could do something else with that and be better, and that scares me. As it should. When it comes to Nightblades, getting better, it always does. 
All right, next up we have a surprise attack. They reduce the cooldown of the guaranteed critical strike on this morph to three seconds, down from four. And then there's concealed weapon, and this morph now grants major berserk for seven to ten seconds based on rank, rather than a unique seven to ten percent damage done when meeting its conditions. And there's a dev comment on here, and it reads. We've been relatively happy with how these morphs have enabled melee-centric nightblades, but we're seeing a lot of behaviors where concealed is being used more passively than we like. Rather than targeting the duration at this point, we're moving forward with changing the bonus to a named buff rather than a unique one to try and reign in the upper bounds of the morph. Uh, we'll still be keeping a close eye on this morph since there's been plenty of feedback about the incentivizes it causes. So please continue to discuss. In addition to these adjustments, we're also trying to hit on some of the feedback we've seen where surprise attack feels weaker than concealed in too many areas. So we're conservatively buffing up the damage potential as we find a, a stable spot for concealed. And then that wraps up the nightblade changes. Yeah, the concealed weapon one's kind of interesting. Uh, but, you know... Major Berserk is always nice to have. Yeah, it is. I, I don't know if Nightblades have a lot of other ways of getting that. Alright, so now we move into the last class that got changes. No Templar for Dog this time. Uh, it's the Sorcerer. So, Bound Armor, as we talked about earlier, it also got the, you know, same Grim Focus treatment. Uh, this ability and its morphs now grant their passive bonuses on both bars while slotted, rather than only the bar they are active on. This ability and the bound Aegis morph now passively grant their minor protection while slotted, rather than for a duration after casting. And they also increase the base max magicka granted to 8% at rank 4 of the base ability, rather than having each morph rank up to 8% separately. Now, for the Bound Armaments Morph specifically, this ability no longer needs to be activated to be eligible or to generate bound weapons. Instead, you will generate a bound weapon whenever you light or heavy attack with the ability slotted on either bar. The ability activation now requires you to have at least one bound weapon active and additionally highlights when you have all four bound, we bound weapons active for improved clarity. Fully charged heavy attacks now also grant two bound weapons rather than one. And they also fixed an issue where you could generate bound weapons while using mend wounds or its morphs. So it's cool to see bound armaments get a little touch up, honestly. Um, I've been a sork for so long and they was always just, you know, have it on your bar. But now. It has, like, a little bit more going on. You know, it's going to be doing something regardless because it does it passively while you attack. So, kind of cool. See how that goes. Yeah. All right, dogged. So, now we're all the way through the classes, and I started that off. So, why don't you go ahead and start us off on the weapon skill lines? All right. So, the first one we have is the bow, and this is going to be long shots. Uh, this passive now increases your damage done by 2 or 5% against enemies within 15 meters of you and increases your crit chance by 657 or 1314 against enemies that are further than 15 meters away from you. 
rather than increasing your damage with bow attacks by 6 or 12% based on how far you are, away you are. And then they renamed this passive Divine Dust Training to accurately adjust its implication to its new functionality with a flavorful lore twist. And there's a dev comment on here, and it reads, In order to help bows feel more like additional tools for your character rather than their own isolated playstyle, we're expanding out this bonus twofold to help it become a more viable option for different builds. Since this passive previously only enhanced other bow attacks, it created a situation where the weapon heavily dissuaded you to use other skills, making it feel restrictive rather than additive. By opening the bonus to work with any attack, we hope to help it feel more like other weapons as a way to synergize and play off your other actions. In addition, this passive's mini mini game was creating situations that heavily punished many different encounters, both in PvP and PvE, where you had to maximize your range at all times from the target by granting two individual bonuses for close range and further range. We can help enable more consistent power to the weapon, each with their own advantages, without creating pressuring gameplay experiences that further harm synergy with other actions like class skills or group coordination. So I really like this change because now, you know, that one bow guy no longer needs to be a million miles in the back getting his, you know, max 12% damage. Now he can just be in the group and get his 5% damage with everything. So I really like that change. Yeah, good to see the bow have something, uh, you know, get touched up on it that isn't snipe for once. Yeah, that I definitely agree. Alright, so next we're going to move on to the destruction staff for uh, first things first. Ancient knowledge got touched up, so uh, this passive got a little bit of changes. For the flame staff, the passive now increases your damage with the status effect and damage over time effects by 6 or 12% rather than increasing your single target damage by... 5 to 10 percent and then for the lightning staff this passive now increases your damage done with direct damage and channeled effects by 6 to 12 percent rather than increasing your area of effect damage by 5 to 10 percent oh wow the dev comment on that one reads we've received a lot of feedback from many sources talking about how this passive hasn't lived up to standards with numerous aspects like build crafting Hit synergy and raw power. We're shifting the gameplay aspects around slightly to help aid in more overall exciting build choices, which simultaneously trying to keep in line with element type strengths. Flame focuses on trying to batter and burn your foes down with status effects by adding a nice chunk of damage to their initial hits. Lightning doubles down on turning your foes to dust with powerful over-the-time effects and channels, including the fan-favorite heavy attack builds. It's our hope that these changes help make staves of all types feel better as front bar options and lead to more interesting build crafting and kit interactions overall. I mean, I I definitely like the idea of having, you know, a lightning staff on my Templar instead of having 
you know, two melee weapons for my matching and Templar. So yeah. definitely like that change. Yeah, that's true. And so they also have uh, the passive penetrating magic got touched up. This passive now causes your destruction staff attacks to ignore um, f- just about 1500 or 3k spell resistance rather than 5 to 10% of the target's spell resistance. And there's another dev comment on this short one. Due to the ease of access of potent armor shredding effects like Major Breach, percent-based penetration frequently feels extremely weak, so we're converting to be flat to offer some guaranteed consistent power. Alright, and then uh, they also have the Tri-Focus passive. For Flame Staff, this passive now applies a damage over time, equal to power of a standard damage over time effect, over 10 to 20 seconds with a fully charged heavy attack rather than increasing the damage done of your fully charged heavy attacks by 6 to 12 percent and then the ice staff uh that increase the damage shield granted by this passive to 16.5 or 33 percent of your max health up from 12.5 or 25 percent that's pretty cool And for Lightning Staff, this passive now only triggers on a fully charged heavy attack rather than any tick of a heavy attack. And there is another dev comment on this one. So they say, Since this passive is meant to help reward fully charged heavy attacks, we've reined in some of the effects with Lightning Staffs to make them more in line with other weapons while retaining their unique gameplay with builds that go all in on them. In addition, we've tried to sweeten the rewards for the other two staff types that in general don't heavy attack as much. Yeah, those are some uh, interesting changes. For sure. Yeah, I don't think those are too bad. I I don't know how much has changed from the PTS. I would assume a lot because these don't seem that bad at all. I think the big one is probably like the flame staff heavy attack no longer does the heavy damage on it but does the damage over time but also the flame staff and also increases your damage with damage over time um i think the big change was that the flame staff is longer a single target lightning staff is now aoe it's you know they change it up with that but definitely interesting changes All right the next weapon skill line we have is dual wield we have Twin Blade and Blunt. They reduced the bonuses of this passive to ensure it is lined with other adjustments being made to weapon passives. Maces will now grant 743-1487 offensive penetration per mace, down from 825-1650. Swords will now grant 664-129 weapon and spell damage per sword, down from 71-142. And daggers will now grant 3... 328.657 crit chance rating for dagger down from 406.812. So slight little nerfs there. And then two-handed, we have the heavy weapons. They reduce the bonuses uh, similar to above. So maces now grant, or malls now grant, 1487.29.74 offensive penetration down from 65.3300. And swords will now grant 
Weapon and spell damage down from 142 to 284. So the same little incremental change is above, essentially. Uh, they also changed how follow-up works. This passive now increases your damage done with all two-handed attacks by 5-10% to 10 for 4 seconds after completing a fully charged heavy attack, rather than increasing the damage of your next direct damage by 10% after completing a fully charged heavy attack. And there's a dev comment here that reads, we're changing the context of this passive to help make the interaction and reward of completing a heavy attack with a weapon feel better by moving away from a one-time burst opportunity to a window opportunity. This should help make up for damage losses when recuperating your resources while retaining some of the additional burst windows that the passive enables and making the weapon overall feel more engaging when used as your primary weapon. So it definitely has its trade-off with it where uh, you can now just spam like, you know, some two-hand attack like Dizzy Swing or Brawler um, or Executioner. But uh, it kind of sucks for, you know, I would say Stam more than the most where you had a heavy attack and follow into a sub and an Executioner. So definitely interesting changes. Um, yeah, I, th I think it really mainly affects stamina warden that I can think of, but I think outside of the the stamina warden, it's a pretty good change for everywhere else. And then the uh, last kind of skill line change we have here is werewolf, and with they have the pack leader morph and the summon dire wolves from this morpho no longer attempt to snare enemies. Which is pretty nice because werewolves can be really annoying as, in general. So now they will be a little bit less annoying, which is always good. Yeah, that's that's a good one. Those little wolves, they don't need that much power. Yeah, especially since they can't be killed. Yeah, <laughs> especially because of that. All right, so uh, it looks like that's going to wrap up our uh, weapon lines and... Got a couple little item set changes in here. Uh, just a bit left for you guys. And first off, we have Merciless Charge. This set now increases your damage done with direct damage attacks by 9.3% of your weapon or spell damage, up to a maximum of 560, rather than causing enemies to bleed over 10 seconds when they are damaged by critical charge. They have a dev comment for this one. This set has seen many interactions over the years and efforts to try and find it a home where it can serve a potent purpose without tipping the scales too far in one aspect of gameplay. Its original bleed functionality has been quite difficult to balance between PvE and PvP, as well as ensuring the set feels good for both morphs of the ability. So we've decided to move the function to something that evokes the merciless intent it means to provide. Now the set rewards both passive use of the skill with the stampede morph as a backbar option, as well as more active use and scaling to provide powerful pressure for full-on direct damage builds, like two-handed. So, yeah. I don't like remember Merciless Charge being used that much, but I do like the changes. Yeah, the change there seems pretty useful. I would say definitely better than the bleed 
Right, yeah. And then the last change here uh, is the set Azure Light Reaper. This set's damage explosion now can only happen once every half second rather than having no cooldown. The targets will no longer become immune to stacks for two seconds after reaching the full stack count. And they reduce the damage of the explosion by approximately 50%. But the damage now increases by 30% for each enemy hit up to a maximum of 180% bonus damage. And there's a dev comment on here that reads, Upon investigation, Ezra Blight Reaper has been found to cause server issues in some cases. We needed to add a short cooldown between each explosion in order, in order to improve performance, but we also recognize this change severely impacts the feel and strength of its playstyle. To make up for the loss, we removed the cooldown from building stacks and added bonuses, add bonus damage when the explosion hits multiple targets at once. They added a lot of damage, honestly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, up to 180%. I mean, that thing is booming already, so... Half second is not bad. I was a definitely good set, uh, training for that set, for sure. Yeah, I think so. I mean, we'll have to see how much that half second really affects people. All right, dog. Well, it looks like we've made it to the end, man. Another patch notes down. The first quality of life bug fix kind of one in many, many years. So yeah, that was that was good, man. Thank you, uh, thank you for uh, taking time out of your Starfield like I did, for so we can make sure this happens for the people. And thank you guys for joining us. Hope you're. Uh, enjoying update 39 so far and uh the undaunted fest and everything and yeah hope our uh smooth voices take you through the weekend or whenever you're listening so anyways once again thank you all for stopping in dogged why don't you hit us with the outro man where can the people find us when we are not in these microphones all right, you can find us on Twitter of the at Red Diamond Cast. You can find us on Facebook of the Red Diamond Career. And you can find us in our ESOPC or Xbox Guild of Ares the Red Diamond, which you can join on the Robots Radio Discord found on robotsradio.net. And if you check our show notes, you'll find links to all things like our music producer, ESO-Hub.net, and ESO-Hub.com. And if you take out a second of your day to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or uh, a star review on Spotify, we would love to uh, shout it out to the world. And it really does help us and let people know that we are awesome. And that's what we want people to know. So thank you guys for that if you've already done it. And Dogged, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on Xbox, Twitter, and ESOPC, all of that dogbark24. And it's about the same for me, Xbox, ESOPC, and Twitter, at Bob underscore Chichinsky or Bob space Chichinsky on Xbox. So thank you guys so much for hanging out with us again. As we said, we really hope you enjoyed it. You're having a good time out there with Update 39 and the Undaunted Fest. Or, like me, you're addicted to Starfield, so... Uh, thank you again for hanging out, dog. It was another great episode, and we'll be back at you soon with some more. Catch you next time. 
Yep, see ya. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net. Ahoy there, ye landlubbers. Avast, my name is Captain Logan, and I'll be your guide out on the Sea of Thieves. If you love the idea of stealing treasure, cutting down cursed skeletons, fighting off krakens, and raiding forts filled to the brim with shinies, then Sea of Thieves is the game for you. Join me each week as I dive into the news and bring back the nuggets of information that any sailor worth their weight in salt would desire. You don't have to be a pirate legend to gain access to my podcast. Just search for Keelhauled, a Sea of Thieves podcast in your podcast app of choice or head over to robotsradio.net or captainlogan.podbeam.com and get ready to set sail for adventure. Arrgh.